Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spleichel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spleichel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is redemption, gratitude, and lessons you won't soon forget. Special guest, Juan Quinn. Today's guest, it's a bit different than my usual guest. He's not here to talk about a new app or, or what external systems may improve your website conversion. In fact, I'm a little lost on how, how to introduce him today. So let me ask, Quan, how would you like to be introduced? Um, I typically like to be introduced. Uh, this, the first slide in my bio uh, says, Quan's been described as a mighty warrior, magician, and a mountain of goodness. That's how I like to be um, introduced. It was given um, when I was in prison. Uh, it was on this sheet. One of the volunteers came in, and that's how she wrote to me. She said, Quan, you're a mighty warrior, magician, and a mountain of goodness. And those words just resonated with me. And um, I just held on to it all these years. I like it. Now, I usually go backwards in my episodes and I, I first dive into what listeners can, can gain and some actionable steps they can take surrounding the topic. And then I, I do the introduction and offer if the guest has one at the end of the episode. But again, this, this episode's a bit different. Um, why don't we go in? Can you give us a brief introduction about your background right up front? Uh, sure. Um... First generation uh, Vietnamese uh, immigrant, well, refugees. When we lost our country, uh, I came to the United States when I was just a couple months old and we settled in Provo, Utah. Um, my father's condition got, uh, he, my father got diagnosed with leukemia when I was eight. Uh, we moved out here to California when I was 10 and I've uh, been out in uh, Southern California since. Okay, great. Now we met, just a little background on that, we met through a mutual acquaintance who runs a marketing community and convinced me to come with him and his group to partake in a day in prison teaching entrepreneurs um, skills. And it turns out that Quan runs the local chapter of the organization called Defy. And you recently sent me a copy of your book, Sparrow and the Razor Wire, Finding the Freedom While Serving a life sentence, which I have right here. Thank you. Thank you very much, by the way. It was, uh, it's a fantastic book. I, I picked it up um, the mailbox a couple days ago and I read it in two days. So mm. I just, I went, I couldn't put it down. Maybe it's because I know you, but I mean, I thought it was great. Um, how long after prison did you write this book? Uh, after prison, it was, the book came out in, it came out during COVID 2020. Oh, so it was about five years, um, about four years after I began writing. And I got to say, you know, it's it's got a ton of lessons. Um, and like I said, I mean, I you're an amazing writer, but Thank you. you know, wow. I mean, the first part of the book was was incredibly dark. 
when you're talking about your growing up and, and what got you where you were um, and comparing that to meeting you now, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that was you. <laughs> maybe that's why I, that's why maybe I couldn't put it down. Um, you know, there's a ton of lessons that, that people can take from this book. I thought, regardless if you're in prison or not, and a lot of those were self-responsibility, the ability studying to overcome a problem. I guess let's talk about the idea of, of self-responsibility. How did you incorporate that in your life? Where did that come from for you? Uh, it, I mean, it wasn't something overnight. Um, I would have to say like the first um, 10 years, 10, 12 years of my life sentence, uh, I just lived the way I, I wanted to live in prison. Um, for your listeners that may not know, I went to uh, I went to prison for a murder that I did commit, um, and was given a fifteen year to life sentence here in California. So, um, I think the the lessons came later on when I I've always been a big book reader. Um, that's where I found my escape. Uh, and I've been known to go down like rabbit trails when, when let's say I read a book, I'm, I'm fascinated with that subject. I'll look in the acknowledgments. I'll see what other authors influenced their, their writing or, or like where they got their research from. And I'll uh, dive into those books. And I just go down rabbit trails all the time. And it was around the 12th, 11th, 12th year of my, my sentence when um, I was reading um books on entrepreneurship and things like that. And somehow I became, I stumbled on um, books on the saints and in particular stories about saints that had failed in their lives, but yet had gone on to create, create these orders and these amazing legacies. And those stories fascinated me. Um, and then of course, reading those stories took me down other rabbit trails on books on mindfulness and spirituality and everything. So uh, for me, it, um, they all, created this perfect storm in my head where uh, one day on the prison yard, like my, my head filled with these readings, these teachings, um, I, I, I asked myself the question, like, why do I have to view uh, prison as punishment? Why can't I view this as a place where I can remake myself, even if I'm going to die here? And, you know, of course, um, the answer comes back in the universe. Yeah, you can. And um, that moment, in, in, at Solano uh, um, prison is nestled like right between these hills and the sun was barely coming up. I could feel its warmth. And um, in the little blades of grass, I saw the individual drops of dew and up above me in the razor wire, I um, heard a sparrow chirping. And, um, and I tell everyone like that sparrows have probably been chirping my whole prison term, but I never heard it. But that day I heard it. And it was from that day forth that I would have to say, my um, journey to awakening began. Um, my journey to personal responsibility, where um, that's that's actually where I found my own inner freedom way before I was paroled. Just taking those lessons of responsibility and 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 owning my choices, knowing every moment I have a choice. Um, yeah, that's so. But and and then, but it wasn't like okay, suddenly. I, 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 it's like becoming fascinated with different topics like personal responsibility and mindfulness and then using my journals and using every day as an opportunity to practice these lessons that I want to apply in my life. Um, 
And many times going back and journaling each evening and realizing, oh, I didn't live up to uh, what I aspired to, but yet viewing tomorrow as a new day and going back at it and going back at it. Yeah, you know, journaling is one of those things that is suggested by a lot of people, but but very few do it. I'm, I'm curious, have you been able to keep up the habit of journaling? Out here? No, not not like how I was uh, doing it. Uh, so disciplined in there, but not as much out here. The other habit that people have out here that is the same is but self-responsibility and not taking self-responsibility, whether you're mm -hmm. a, a business owner and you're you're thinking, you know, the, the market's against me. It's it's never their fault, right? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it's really hard to, to have that skill. So I, I thought that was eye-opening. You know, another thing when I was reading your book that I thought was incredibly eye-opening is when you said that there are more people in prison than outside prison that work on self-examination, making it a lot more difficult to communicate on the outside. Can you can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think while we were incarcerated, um, a lot of the men, especially when I, uh, before I paroled, a lot of us were practicing, you know, personal responsibility and learning how to effectively communicate, um, how not to, how to speak nonviolently, um, like just how words can really harm or hurt people or words can also build and, 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 and heal people. And I think we became very aware of that, uh, maybe because it's the stakes also inside prison where, you know, if you're um, screaming or yelling at somebody, uh, it can lead to violence very fast. But out here, um, it's, it's a different world in, in many respects when people communicate. There's not this, this way of, there's not a dignified way of, of speaking to people and, and recognizing them as just human beings. Um, I think there's a lot of people out here that have baggage also, and it's, they, they didn't have to work on self-examination. So that's just how they've shown up their whole life. And that's just how they show up every day. So you see it in traffic jams, you see it. I see it Costco lines. Um, I, yeah, I, I see it happening a lot out here. Yeah, no, that's uh, those are great points. Now, another thing that, that really just jumped off the page to me is you had wrote in the beginning of the book when you committed the crime, you went back home, and even before you were arrested, everything just seemed dull and bland to you. Um, when did when did that all come back? Where you're present in the moment now, and and you get excited by stuff? I mean, when when did that that flip uh, the switch in, occur? In prison during my life, after that sparrow in the razor wire moment. Um, I think one of the first things I did was um, I, I checked in to see a therapist and um, I, I began, it was 25 years after my father passed away is when I began grieving his death. Um, and, and, then I, and then of course, I became fascinated with the grief and loss process, like in particular, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's model on grief and loss. Um, and then I noticed around me, like every man had some form of loss or grief going on, whether that's losing a, a, a wife or a partner that has moved on or losing children or, or parents that have now um, disowned them. 
um, losing friendships because they've that they've established at a different prison and now they're they're up for transfer and there's no way to process this. So I saw there was so much hurt and and, and need for healing and so much uh, need for 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 grieving around me and the prison didn't have it. So um, I put together a, a syllabus and I submitted it to the prison psychologist who loved it. And we created the prison's first ever uh, grief and loss group. And it was in that group when I saw like immediately the impact of, of men being able to heal and share um, and shed tears. And that's what is where I, I would have to say, I suddenly I felt alive. I like, oh, I think I found a place and things I can do. So of course I got involved with other groups, created other uh, self-help groups. And for me, it just became a journey of refinement and, and discovery and, and um, looking to make impact. I mean, like I look at it like, okay, here I am in this, this discarded forgotten corner of the world that nobody would know about, nobody even cares about, but yet I felt that I was there. I was able to make impact. I felt alive and um, that's where life began uh, for me again. Helping others and making an impact. Yeah. Now, I noticed that you also talked about a personal mission statement, which, you know, besides journaling, I've, I've also, I've done that. I created a personal mission statement, but I worked on it forever, but you read it every day. And, and that really impressed me. Would you be willing to share that personal mission statement with listeners? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it, it became first for me, it was just journaling, journaling. And I saw like little lessons in different books I was reading. So I liked these lessons. I started like, these are reminders for myself. And I put it at the beginning of my, my journals, but then um, somewhere along the way, I like, let me compile these all. And then I began shaping it. And then it looked like a jewel. And then that's why I called it your inner jewel. Um, here it is. Uh, practice mindfulness. Listen twice as much as you speak. Find today's lesson in today's difficulty. Strive for excellence in all that you pursue. Everyone is also on a journey. Learn from them all. Uh, you are responsible for every thought and word in this life. Seek balance and discipline. There is a fine line in everything you do. Listen for your voices of ego and pride and continue to remove them. Mind, body, heart, and soul contribute to them constantly. Leave time daily to find your inner voice and trust in it. Effectiveness with people, efficiency with everything else. Do not fear failure. That is the only path to success. Accomplish transformation through your choices. Remember that perfection is not possible. Speak with kind, gentle, yet firm words. Never compromise with honesty. Give thanks for today. Laugh at life. Yeah, that's great. You know, I tried to create mine. And, and the first time I referred or heard it referred to that you should create a, a personal mission statement is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. Is, is that where you decided? Did you read that? Did you read that? I, 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 had, I love that book. I would probably say that's probably where the seed was planted. Um, now that you bring it up. Um, I don't like it's when I used to go back over my journals or I look back over my book reports. Um, when, once I began documenting each book I read, 
I noticed, oh, this is where that idea was planted. This is where that seed was planted. And I see how much it had grown or nurtured in my own soul. So I would not be surprised if that's probably where um, creating that, that my own uh, uh, mission statement came from. How much did it change? Was that, was that a first draft or is that a uh, 592nd draft? That was, um, well, that was a, I think a year's draft of putting little things. And then once I began having a, a, enough things to, to like little lessons for myself, that's when I created it. And then that was just it. So, um, yeah, I remember when I, when I, I think it was, it took over a year. It's not like an intentional draft. It was just like little reminders of lessons that I want to tell myself each day. Like, you know, listening twice as much as I speak or listening for my voices of ego and pride and continuing to move them. And then, so once I put it in, I think the day that I shaped it, that was it. And I just loved how it was. And it always resonated with me when I, when I uh, read it. Now, in, in your book, you mentioned how much of a, a voracious reader you were or, or are. I don't even know if you, do you still read that much. Yeah, not as much as in prison, but I mean, I listen to books more now. Hello there, this is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just a minute about the new golden ticket program that I've introduced inside Make Each Click Count University. I know it sounds fancy, right? But what's the golden ticket all about? Each month, members of Make Each Click University receive a golden ticket that they can use to access any of our certified courses. Certified courses include courses on Facebook, Google Ads, Pinterest, SEO, and more. Look, if you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing an existing marketing channel just like an expert, then this program is for you. Perhaps you're looking to train someone on your team or you're looking for a career in digital marketing. Well, Either way, this program is the program you've been waiting for. In addition, when you become a member to Make Each Click County University, you'll get immediate access to all of our in-house courses, timely training videos, access to all three of my books, and access to our monthly mastermind meeting. All this at a recently reduced price. So go on over to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com for all the details and sign up. I guarantee it's going to be the best decision you make today. Now, back to the show. So I'm, I'm curious, what are the top two or three books that you would recommend for listeners that made the most difference in your life? Oh my goodness. I don't know where to start. I guess it depends on like if it's for somebody in prison, depending on where they're at in the journey. Um, well, Seven Habits is a great book. Um, the Road Less Traveled, uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, that's something I could always open and reread. Um, the Alchemist. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, but then if we're talking about like mindset shifts, it's that there's, there's other ones out here. You know, um, Atomic Habits and um, any of Ryan Holiday's stuff, uh, any of Malcolm Gladwell's stuff. I don't, I don't know. I guess it just depends on where somebody is at on their journey and what they're looking to discover within themselves. Yes. Yeah. Now let's let's switch it up and let's talk about your life after prison and, and Defy Ventures. Can you tell listeners a bit more about that organization? Yeah, Defy Ventures is a national nonprofit. Um, our mission is to shift mindsets to give people with criminal histories their best shot at a second chance through um, career readiness, personal development, and entrepreneurship training programs that we run inside the prisons and in the communities. Um, 
It's a seven, we run a seven month program inside the prisons called the CEO of your new life. Uh, 1200 page curriculum. I think it runs four books. Uh, the men or the women meet for about five hours of uh, class instruction a week, plus another five to eight hours of homework. And they begin um, working on themselves, but then it's through the lens of entrepreneurship. So it, the, their graduation culminates in a business pitch competition where each of them have to actually pitch a business. Um, but then along the process, they learn, you know, customer discovery, they learn what an MVP model can look like. Um, and it's the lens of entrepreneurship that we uh, instill in them, like the lessons of grit, uh, resiliency, pivoting. Um, we believe these are life lessons that they can use not only in their prison journey, but more importantly, in their reentry journeys when they come home. So um, I like to say that at Defy, we uh, cultivate problem solvers, not complainers. So yes, here's the problem and here's their solution. So uh, um, I see a lot of our, we call them entrepreneurs in training or EITs for short, or, or EITs come home. Um, a lot of employers uh, like hiring them because of that mindset uh, that they have. Yeah, you know, I, I joined you, of course, uh, I think on the second one and then the graduation, but I didn't ask you and I was kind of curious, uh, what kind of success rates do you have with, with the participants, the EITs, once they come home? How many of them start their own business? How many of them um, successfully adjust, I guess? Yeah, love this question. And I, I always uh, throw it back to the question there, like, what do you consider success if we're talking about business or are we talking about them not going back to prison? The, you know, I could tell, we could share plenty of stories about men and women that have come home and built businesses. Uh, I think we've, uh, helped uh, launch and incubate over 150 businesses, but I think the bigger success stories are the ones um, that are now home or, you know, have a family, raising a family, buying their homes, uh, working, um, or I, if you are looking for da uh, data, um, our success rates of uh, here in California, uh, as you may know, um, the studies say two out of three uh, released men and women will go back in within three years, um, two out of three. Two out of three. Um, two out of three. So defies numbers, uh, less than 15% at the three-year mark. So we're, uh, those are numbers we're uh, proud of. 84% of our EITs, uh, once they begin looking for work, will find work within 90 days. Um, if you contrast that with other uh, studies that say, you know, uh, unemployment rates could be as high as 60% at the one-year mark for someone that's faced incarceration. So we believe it's a combination of not only our curriculum, the community we've been able to build, um, the volunteers that have come in with us and helped us to build this community that now help us to uh, effectively create uh, systems uh, change that we're, looking, we're going after. I mean, we could do build the best in-prison program, but um, if these men and women are coming home and still facing discrimination and still basically have to do a second sentence out here um, uh, and discriminated against for housing, uh, fair lending, employment, all of that, then what good does it do? So um, our mission, we believe, is twofold. It's not only shifting the mindsets of those incarcerated, but also shifting the mindset of those who we believe could actually help us achieve uh, system change and that's the business community that's why we intentionally recruit from you know the um, business community that the tech space vcs 
uh, serial entrepreneurs. Now, what type of people typically do volunteer for, for five ventures with you? Um, amazing human beings with big hearts. Uh, a lot of people in the business world, uh, 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 which is, I think, it breaks the mold of what people, did when they say, oh, the capitalist society, they think it's cold. Uh, they think people are not giving. And, and the people that usually uh, come in with this, the vast majority, um, open-hearted, uh, big human beings, um, amazing human beings. Now, if you look at the five inches, there's there's some rocky stuff out there. Um, what's happened over the last few years with the leadership of Defy, and I looked that up. I was doing research on it. How did Defy get over this change in leadership, and how's it doing today? Um, I think so. Uh, the answer: We're doing much better than we ever were uh, financially, uh, structurally, uh, process-wise, system-wise. Um, yeah. I, our, our previous founder had resigned after a negative news article. This, I think, way back in like 2018, um, it was by a disgruntled former employee. But um, after that, our present uh, CEO um, basically had to write a, a burning ship and, and, and reorganize and restructure the organization. So um, I would have to say he's done a fantastic job. Uh, Throughout the transition, um, all all of our, our prison programs uh, were still running, and now we're we're even bigger and uh, stronger and and better. So I think um, we also had to embrace pivoting. We also had to embrace the lessons of entrepreneurship at Defy, and I think we've come out much stronger uh, because of it. Now I I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do a little bit. What what's your favorite? EIT success story? Uh, my favorite, you know what? I, I have several, but I could give one. Like I know uh, um, this man pitched a, a business in San Diego um, about, uh, it was a great pitch. One of the best pitches I've heard. Um, he loves bees and the way he talks about it and he wanted to do the bee colony. He came home during the pandemic. Um, he, he got first place at the, at the event. So he had a $500 IRLU. With this $500, he purchased his first bee colony um, during the pandemic and pursued his business. Um, he now has, I think, three colonies running. He sent us at the office a couple jars of his honey. It has honeycomb still in it, the best honey I've ever tasted. Um, he's, he's, he says he's looking to, to continue to build uh, his business on it. I mean, that's... Uh, on a small scale one, I mean, there's another guy that came home was um, uh, one of my good friends. He's uh, now doing a dog training business. Um, he was uh, working with rescue dogs in prison. Then he was also a Defy grad. And um, now he's out here training uh, dogs and I see the results that he's doing. So um, those are just a couple off the top of my head. Um, another uh, one is a woman. Uh, she's a NorCal. Uh, she, uh, lost her grandmother while she was incarcerated and um, realized like there were a bunch of questions that she never got to ask her grandma. Um, and she made sure that uh, she uh, was intentional about sharing and, and, and um, having stories with her own um, children. So she, her business was around baking, but 
in baking, um, she also includes uh, questions, ready-made questions, so that um, so her business she sells like ready uh, um, uh, baking like cookies and things like that. But then there's also um, conversation cards for the parent and their their loved one or their little children to ask questions of each other so they could continue to build bonds. So I think it, it's it's cool to see um, or EITs pursuing their passions through their individual uh, prison experiences. Now, are are there any other organizations doing what Defy is doing? Uh, doing specifically what we're doing, like building, uh, I wouldn't, not that I know of. There there may be some similar, but uh, adjacent ones, but not particularly like how we're approaching it with um, tying in, you know, the business community with this and supporting and in um, building a community that, that can continue to uh, uh, make an impact. So if you had a crystal ball, where do you see Defy Ventures going over the next 12 to 18 months? Uh, crystal ball would be magic wand or crystal ball? But, yeah, your, um, your choice. <laughs> um, well, if I had my magic wand, I'd, I'd love to be able to uh, get our program into every prison in California. Uh, but uh, I, I, I see uh, the crystal ball about 12, 18 months um, here in SoCal. I see Defy um, expanding our our services to include more men and women um, in the local prisons, but also um, transitional homes and uh, possibly uh, working with transitional age youth in uh, the communities. Now that's that's and continuing to just to build our infrastructure. Um, I would say. In, uh, deepening relationships with um, the business community and foundations in um, Southern California to help build build up uh, what we got going. And how can an interested listener learn more about your organization, even joining you and making a difference with Defy Ventures? Uh, they could go right to our website at um, defyventures.org. Defy is like defying the odds, uh, .org. Um, yeah, they go right there. They can see everything that we're doing. They could uh, uh, sign up for events, reach out to different chapters. I mean, we're we're in eight states currently, so uh, there's quite a bit of opportunities to join us in prison or in our post-release programs. Um, if you have employment part, uh, I mean, employers that are listening and are interested in discussing fair chance hiring and what that looks like, um, I'd love to have a conversation with them. I mean, like we, I tell employers all the time, like we're not asking you to uh, give jobs here. What we're asking you to do is do your interviews. And if the best possible candidate happens to be one of our EITs, then we're asking you to either be willing to look past the criminal conviction or have an additional conversation with them. Don't just blacklist them just because um, a criminal conviction comes up on them. Right. And you guys are also uh, tax deductible for donations, right? Yes. Yep. They can support us financially, of course. Yeah. That's always great, too. Cool. Well, this has been great uh, today, Quan. Is there anything else you'd like to, to add before we wrap it up? No, thank you for joining us in prison. I hope you uh, uh, hope to see you at future events. This has been great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Quan. Okay. Thank you. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Defy Ventures or connecting with Quan, 
You will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information, any of the services we have discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.